Thank you so much for joining us in Web Church today. Today you're going to experience more and more of the grace of God. You just were going to be established in what God has freely given to you in Jesus Christ. I am Bertie Brits and it's a privilege for me to serve you with the message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace. If you're a first time viewer of Web Church, we would like to welcome you. Web Church is an official congregation that gathers by the World Wide Web, and we get on the internet, and we have church. Amen. Church is where people gather together and encourage each other in the message of God's grace, pray for each other, minister to each other, and that's what we do in Web Church. Now is my opportunity to minister to you, and then after the service and in other times of the week, we have cell groups that meet on the internet via Skype, and we minister to each other. So. Thank you for joining here. I want you to just relax and open your heart to God that loves you. In Web Church, our vision is to bring grace to you. Our vision is to, you, to see you established in what God has freely given unto you. Now, I also want to thank all the members of Web Church that has invited people to, to become part of this um, broadcast today. Maybe you've just invited people to come and you say... Man, I hope they came and they might have come today and watched this live broadcast. Maybe they're watching this in the archive. Maybe they're watching this in our rebroadcast at 9 o'clock. I want you to know this, that we do our rebroadcast not at um, 17 hours South African time anymore, but at 20.30. Now, we've decided to move that. It's just so much uh, more convenient for people in other places in the world, in um, America and towards Australia, New Zealand, that area. So... Um, yeah, we've moved that time, just take note of that, and uh, when you invite people, tell them the correct times. We've also put the ad on the homepage that gives the specific times to which we have moved our um, the broadcast times. We do it at 10 o'clock, remember this, 10 o'clock uh, in future, not 12, 10 o'clock in future, Web Church. Web Church is... Just such a powerful, powerful medium that comes to people where people fellowship, are blessed and touched by the grace of God. And I also believe that it is a good time for you to share our vision just and to read it for you. It's on the, um, the page that says Web Church, but I find that not all the people like to read. So I'm going to read it for you and explain our vision. And I've done this in the previous uh, broadcast and um, we're going to do it today again. It says, to be a church family that is fully functional by grace. So this is a church family that's fully functional. In other words, we have a place where we will minister to you if you uh, want advice on marriage. We will minister to you when you want advice on how to raise your children. We will minister to you in the area of finances. And whatever need there is, we believe that we can be fully functional. In other words, we can be successful in every area because we can apply the grace of God in every area in your life. And we will be functional out of and um, the, or from the perspective of God's grace as a family. Now you might say, but family must be together. Now, let me tell you, I believe this is much better than just um, staying at home and not going to a grace-based church or sitting in a law church. This is grace-based and uh, we're doing everything in our ability via the internet, telephone and uh, emails, those type of things to give you a family feel about this because it is a family. Amen. And we are established in righteousness and God's love for us, reaching the world 
through the power of God that manifests from lives established in what Jesus has done for them. So we are established in righteousness and God's love for us. This church is not established or based on works, what we must do for God. I want to put it this way. Uh, Dynamic uh, Web Church is not a church where you're going to hear what you must do for God. You're going to hear what God has done for you. It's not about how much you must love God. This church is all about how much God loves you. And out of that, we will become functional and fully effective in the grace of God. We will um, reach the world through the power of God that manifests through our lives that's established in what I've just said. Amen. That is what God gives us. To be a church family that is fully functional by grace. That is what God gives us. That's the vision for Dynamic Web Church. Now, what we're going to do is, <clears throat> I'm going to speak a little bit on Psalm 23, and I did do that in the previous uh, session. We're going to do a little bit of that today, just talk a little bit about the, uh, the shadow of death, what the shadow of death is. Because sometimes we don't know what the shadow of death is. Does Jesus lead me through the shadow of death? How does that work? Then we're going to go into worship. I'm going to speak a little bit about finances. And for those people who want to give, that's going to be your time and opportunity to give on Web Church via the donate button that's on your screen. And um, then we're going to get into the word that I have today, which will be, uh, we will continue on what we said in the previous broadcast where we spoke about uh, our identity challenge. How our identity gets challenged. Now our whole identity is based on what Jesus says about us and how God spoke to us and um, not on what we do for God or what happens to us. Amen. Man, that is so, so wonderful. I also want to encourage you to go to our um, testimonies. Click on the testimony button on the top of the screen and uh, you can read powerful, powerful testimonies that's relevant to people every day to see what God has done for you. Amen. And just to see what God has done for others, for you, your friends, others. If you have submitted a testimony... Um, you can go and have a look at it on, uh, on our testimonies. I'm sure we've submitted most of the testimonies or placed most of the testimonies on the website that people did submit to, uh, to our website. So, uh, yeah, go and have a look at that. Be encouraged to see what God has done for other people. And if God has done something great for you, even if it's not just through Web Church, but it is a grace-based miracle, you can uh, just give it to us and we will... We will put it on our website because we want people to be encouraged. One thing I want you to know and know for sure. Dynamic Web Church's vision is not to see how big we can grow this ministry. We know the ministry is going to be big. And uh, a big ministry just means big work. That's, <laughs> that's all it is. The vision is not to see how big we can get the ministry. The vision is to get people established in the grace of God. To build people. We're not building a ministry. We are building people and you are the, the, the focus place where we are focusing all our efforts, all our attention to, um, you know, when it comes to ministry. Amen. Otherwise, our focus and attention is on the cross and on what Jesus Christ has done. We are servants of the body of Christ. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to wash your feet with the word of God. I'm here to wash your walk clean. I'm here to tell you your walk is clean. You've been made righteous. You've been made holy by the word of God. We are your servants. Amen. Now, <clears throat> Psalm 23 
We read it last time and what we said was that this is a very good example of somebody that doesn't just believe God for stuff, but that believes in who God is. Now, we've said, and I want you to, um, if you've got some time, go onto the Word Well, get into the series that I've got on faith. Man, it is an awesome, awesome, awesome series. Uh, and God used me. I spoke to other pastors about this, uh, and they're having massive conferences in South Africa where they are using that very same material that I taught them. That God, I mean, that's what we spoke about, faith, what faith is. Faith is not something that you do for God, to get God to move. Faith is what happens to you when you understand that God already moved on your behalf. And uh, get into that, and, and uh, I mean, once you've listened to that, it will just make more sense on what I'm going to say today. But I'm going to say it in a way that it makes sense to you right now. Amen. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this David said, uh, from perspective of faith in who the Lord is. It's like I would say, um, uh, man, it's like I would say, you are in Web Church, you shall hear grace. You can say, man, I am in dynamic Web Church, there we shall hear grace. It's because you know what we stand for, it's because you've listened to this many times, it's because you have been part of this for a while, and you've experienced the benefits of being in a congregation like this. Now, um, David came from that perspective. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and because I know what type of shepherd I have, I know who he is, I know how he cares, I know I will never be in want. Why? Because he has in the past and now made me to lie down in green pastures. He has, um, he has led me beside the still waters. That's his natural thing. This is what I, what I read out of this. This is the character of my shepherd. And this is what, um, what David said. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He, he's... Uh, attributes is that he is a shepherd. Okay, he said, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Four, his attributes is this, his characteristics. He's a shepherd who naturally just wants to make me lie down in green pastures. He has naturally led me beside the still waters all the time. He is the one that just restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk Though I walk, not the Lord leaves me, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff comforts me. Now, so many times we struggle with that. But I want to explain to you what this valley of death is. The valley of death was a place where you would um, find a piece of land that's really cursed. Now, I've studied this out. I think many people have got many opinions about this. But this is what I've studied out and, uh, through the material that I've got on um, Esau. It would be a land that is cursed. If you plant something there, it wouldn't grow. They will, there's never rain. It's a struggle. It's a desert area. Um, it's a place where it feels as if you're under a curse. If there's something supernatural against you. That's called the Valley of the Shadow of death. Now, it's very important to know that it was a place that was cursed. It wouldn't have been just a place that's cursed by people, but a place that it seemed as if there's a curse. Now, um, it says, if I walk through this valley of the shadow of death. Now, what is death? The Bible says that the ministration of death was written and engraved on stones. So, a shadow is also something that stands between you and the light. So if the ministration of death, if the law comes in between me and the Lord, 
and casts its shadow, its curse towards me, telling me, you are cursed, you are not blessed, God's not good to you, and you are walking in that, like, um, like people that might go through great financial struggles, bank, facing bankruptcy, facing divorce, facing all those type of things, and there comes a voice that says, listen man, you are cursed, you must do this to get out of the curse. You must do that. You are not pleasing to God. You have done things wrong. And where you, uh, uh, um, where it seems to you as if you don't qualify for blessing. Now, that is the shadow of the law. When the law throws its shadow upon you. When the law shows uh, it, the dark side of life to you. When the law comes and says, you're not qualified to get this next business deal. You're not qualified to get healed from this cancer. For you've done this and done this and done this. If that is the emotion that's in your life, that's the voice you're hearing, you are walking in the shadow of death. Or death is throwing its shadow upon you. But listen to what, listen to what David says here. And it's so applicable in the New Testament today. He says, he says, Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even if I walk there, even I, if I go to a place where I open my mind and my spiritual ears to hear the voice of the law, he says, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. I've, I've had that in my life and this has brought great peace to me. And I just want to share this as we get into the worship, that we can go into a, worship, a place of worship from a foundation that says, man, God is a good God. This is what it says. It says, and this is what happened to my life. There would be a time when I get a bit law-minded. You know, I would uh, think, you know, uh, something might go wrong or not be right. And then I might think, this thought comes to my mind. Yes, Bertie, but you haven't qualified. You've missed it there and you've missed it there. And then that, I mean, that voice is right. And it says, because of that, there's a curse upon you. Because of that, you are not blessed and you cannot be blessed. You must first go and change this, change this, and change this. Then the blessing will come. It sounds so wise. It sounds so right. Even when I hear that, even if I hear that voice, even if that comes into my mind, the deepest part of my being, my belief system says, I don't fear this evil that this message is prophesying over my life. I don't fear this evil that this preacher is preaching over my life. I don't fear that. For thy rod and thy staff. Now rod is authority and care. Of God, rod and staff, the authority and the care, the authority and the care of Jesus comforts me. It restores my mind to where it is supposed to be. It says, Yes, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now, this thou in the New Testament, let's talk about Jesus. For Jesus. Now, you must remember, grace is not just a message, it's a person. Man. Jesus is grace. I shall fear no evil, for grace is still with me. Even if I get a bit law-minded, I will still see grace in my life. And, and uh, I want to say it this way. You know, so many times I've, I've heard people say and come to me, say, Bertie, you know, you're so heavy on the doctrine of grace. God doesn't care about doctrines, man. There are people that preach the law and they're blessed, and there are people that preach grace and they're blessed, and there are people that, man... It's got such little faith and they bless. And people that sin and they bless. And others that live holy and believe in righteousness and they bless. And God answers the prayers of most people. doesn't matter really what they believe. Their doctrine is not the whole thing. And that's just where people make the mistake. Because Jesus is so uh, uh, concerned about doctrine, 
That's why those people are blessed. Because Jesus is so concerned to stay in the doctrine of grace. He's only worried about one doctrine. He only cares about one doctrine. That's a doctrine of grace. Now I want you to look me in the eye. Because I want to say this as, with as much authority as possible. Jesus stays only in grace and he focuses on the message of grace for if he changes his doctrine, those who don't believe everything right will die. Now, I don't know how to say that more straight out, but that's the truth. Jesus and God the Father is concerned about doctrine. They're so concerned about doctrine that Jesus died for the right doctrine. Hallelujah. Doctrine is, man, it is absolutely important. There's nothing more important than doctrine. With with the wrong doctrine, I mean, you are confused. Because Because Jesus stays in the right doctrine, that's why those who even have got wrong doctrine here and there, um, I'm not talking about the wrong doctrine saying that we are saved by Buddha or saved by our intelligence or saved by... Let me tell you something. This new age stuff is so confusing. It is so... Uh, 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 um, man and people fall into this, this positive thinking. I must just think right and I must just do right. I must just uh, uh, govern myself right, protect my energy levels. Hogwash, man. Rubbish. Rubbish. That is leading you into so much desolation, isolation and weirdness that you can't function in a normal life. I've seen people like that. uh, Most people that are like that are dysfunctional in the society. Uh, Man, it is just the way it is. Now, I'm not saying that if you're a new age, you're watching this, please don't feel that I say I am against you. I'm just talking a bit about doctrine. The doctrine of the gospel of grace. If you believe the basic thing that by, the, by Jesus Christ I'm saved and I believe through Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation and by what He's done for me I am saved. <coughs> Excuse me. Then you are saved. And because Jesus sticks to that doctrine of grace even when you come with tithing and sowing and reaping when it comes to money and oh I'm cursed here or I'm cursed there you are still saved because of Jesus sticking with grace. Hallelujah. Now let nobody tell you ever doctrine is not important. Doctrine is the doctrine, another word for doctrine is teaching. No, teaching is not important for Jesus. No, well, let's just teach Islam, man. You know? No. Teaching is important to Jesus. Amen. Even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, death, even if the teaching of, of law comes to me and I find that I feel this law is preaching to me and it is really casting its shadow upon me, telling me I'm cursed and I'm in a place where it looks as if I'm cursed, everything's wrong and whatever, even then, this word of grace will comfort your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. And even then you can know that that word is not the truth and that you are the blessed of God. Now, we're going to go into worship. It's very very important that we um, experience this grace of God. That's why we've got good news-based, grace-based music on Web Church for it can influence your belief system to experience the joy of God. Know this, even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death where the law is cast upon you, you can even, when you hear that thing 24-7 preaching to you, you don't qualify, you're not going to be blessed, you're under the curse, you're this, you're that, and you hear from everywhere. Man, just keep walking saying, 
even when I hear all of this, grace is still the truth. And thank God that He doesn't change His doctrine and He stays with us. In Jesus' name. Stays blessing us. Stays, stays in grace. Amen. Father, I bless every person as they watch this worship and worship together in Jesus' name. Enjoy the worship. Hallelujah, man. Isn't that worship just awesome? It just touches people's hearts. Even when I've set it up, it just blesses my heart. I feel tears in my eyes because of just the presence of God, the love of God, what He has for you and for me. Now, let's go to Matthew. Oh yeah, I, I forgot. I almost forgot. I said I'm going to speak a little bit on finances. Let's go to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to read there from verse 8. Okay, let's read from verse 4. It says, verse 3. Man, if you stand, carry on like that, we're going to start in Genesis. Okay, verse 3. If any man teaches another in any other wise or any other doctrine except the doctrine of grace... And consent not to wholesome words. Wholesome words is called the message of grace. Even the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Now remember what I talked about doctrine. And that is important. He is proud. Now listen to this. If he doesn't state at the doctrine of grace. He is proud, knowing nothing. But doting about questions and strife of words. Whereof comes envy, strife railings, evil submersings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain, getting money, is godliness, from such withdraw yourself. Now, <laughs> this is a wonderful, wonderful scripture. It teaches us the great foundation of financial prosperity. It says here that there are people that will start to teach other doctrines than grace. And a good example is, you will find that guys will start to teach... Uh, tithing, sowing and reaping and all those type of things instead of grace. And the moment they do that, uh, it's because of a need of finances or because they are just misled. The origin of it was because of a need of finances or because they are proud and they don't want to submit to the grace of God. Many people are proud today. You come to him and you tell him, listen, this is the message of grace on finances. It's not by your works, your tithing, your sowing or reaping or anything. And they're so full of pride that they don't want to just submit to it and say, My God, thank you that I can just take this as a gift and that the gift of righteousness, uh, in Afrikaans, the word for those of you who are Afrikaans, gerechtigheid, om te sê, ek is gerechtig tot iets, ek is gerechtig tot siening. In Zuid-Afrika, ons is gerechtig tot elektriciteit, man. You know? Now, um, for those of you English, sorry for that. Man, that was just enjoying myself preaching without the handbrake on. Amen. Well, <laughs> hallelujah. Now, what happens is there are just some people that are just too pride, full of pride to, to, to submit and say, well, I also receive it as a gift, financial prosperity. And then they come and they start to teach other teachings outside of grace when it comes to, say, finances. And... Um, and what happens here is they are proud. They know nothing about the grace of God in that area. They are doting around about questions and strife of words. All of a sudden you will find strife of words, envy, strife, railing, submersings, and perverse disputes of men of corrupt minds. All of a, all of a sudden there will be dis, disputes about finances. You know, now is a tithe now before the law, or before uh, uh, 
tax or after tax. And all of a sudden you'll get this whole uh, thing that comes and dis- disputings. And it's because your mind is corrupted when it comes to grace. Now it sounds like harsh words. But I, want, I, want, I don't want to use those harsh words. I want to put this way. It's just because you're a little bit confused. Okay? And you are destitute of the truth. You don't know the truth in that area of your life. And then you think, and this is what happens is, and you suppose that gain is godliness. That the more stuff I have, the more it means that I am godly and God approves of me. That's why I am blessed. God blesses me. And this blessing is a sign of His approval because I've lived right and I've done everything right and I've obeyed all the commandments by my efforts. Now it says, withdraw yourself from that. Okay? But godliness with contentment is great gain. So if you can just know I'm godly by Jesus Christ and I thank God for what I have today, you will find that you prosper financially. Amen. That's just the way it works. Because if you're worried about money all the time and you're worried about how much you're going to get and you're worried about the car the next, the, the next day neighbor drives and that you haven't reached the goal for this month or this year and all of that and you think, my God, if I could have just reached this goal, I would have known that I am approved of you and you bless me and that your hand of, of provision rests upon me and all of that you're going to find that you're going to start to make wrong business decisions. And you're going to struggle. But I believe what this says is, is that godliness, now godliness that it talks about here, it's, it talks about right doctrine. It says here in, in, in verse 3, it says, If any man teaches each other and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Now the godliness it talks about here is that Jesus made you godly. Okay? It says, but godliness, the correct doctrine about what Jesus has done for you and the outflow of that in your life with contentment, being content. Thank God for the studio I have. Thank God for this uh, a table I've got, the one I'm seated on, this shirt that I've got. I thank God for this pants I've got. Maybe this is not designer clothes, but thank God. It's from God. Amen. Now somebody might say, that was, you didn't need to say that. Well, um, the only reason why you think that I don't need to say that is because you think that uh, if you're a real man of God, that's what you must have and, and that godliness and that gain is godliness and that speaks of godliness. No ways. Doesn't doesn't do that way. Let me tell you the truth. I'm happy with what I have to the point that I believe it's from God what I've got. Amen. You will never th- see the things that you have as out of the hand of God if you cannot be happy with it. Amen. Now that happiness with it only comes out of a revelation of what God has freely given to you in Jesus. Then it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, let us therewith be content. Now if you can be content with food and clothes, anything more you will see as prosperous. So you will, all of a sudden your mind will change, and that's what all these new age books that's so frustrating is all about. You know, get your mind positive. You know, just get your mind so positive. You find preachers these days that write books without scriptures or the name of Jesus or God and, and, and that's all in, uh, you know, we do it as for the church, you know. And, uh, but it's, it just brings death. This is what it says. Having food and clothes, let us therewith be content. Now, the moment you can be happy with food and clothes, all of a sudden, if you've got more, you will say, man, I'm a rich man. And you'll start to think like a rich man. You'll start to walk like a rich man. For anything more than clothes and food is rich. Amen. And as you think like a rich man, as you walk like a rich man, you will start to do things that will manifest more wealth in your life. 
Now, I'm not talking about a works mentality. You will do things that will manifest more wealth in your life, like resting in Jesus Christ, like meditating upon what He's done for you. You'll be so calm and at peace, you will not jump around like, like uh, somebody that's just fear-driven when the stock market does this or that. You'll have peace and you'll know what God tells you and you will live that life. Amen. Um, but they that want to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drawn men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of evil uh, which while some desired money they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many, many sorrows. Now, man, you can go and read that for yourself. All I'm telling you is don't make getting money your vision. Know that Jesus got all the money that you needed from God through what He's done for you on your behalf. You can download the message, watch it, um, Prosperity by Grace, that's on the website. Listen to it. It will bless you. We are not a money-hungry ministry trying to get money out of you. Amen. If you want to give to this ministry, you give because you feel I'm part of this ministry. I support what Bert is doing. I support what Helena is doing. And uh, we are part of what they do. We partner with them in the sense of we are part of what they do. If you want to donate money, the donate button is there. We've made it easy for you. The only reason why I put it there is so it can be easy for you to do it. So if you want to donate via credit card, you are more than welcome to do that. We'll use that money to preach the gospel. Know this, that money is not going to heaven into your heavenly bank account. It's coming to Dynamic Love Ministries Trust Bank Account, Standard Bank, South Africa, Bredasdor. That's where it's going. And then we're going to the ba- we, we take our checkbook and we write a check. We take that money and we pay for stuff and we preach the gospel. That's where your money, go, your money goes. And your reward that everybody talks about in heaven and whatever has been there long before you gave anything. His name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So if you want to give, give on that basis. If we find out that you've been giving um, out of an unwilling heart, uh, we will give your money back. Amen. So give out of a willing heart because you want to support the work and you don't feel manipulated. Hallelujah. Right. Let's get into Matthew chapter 4. Now, what we said in the previous um, broadcast was, was very um, basic and we were talking about Jesus that was a human being. He had a voice, there was a voice that came from the Father that said unto him, You are my beloved Son and in you I am well pleased. Okay, then he was tempted of Satan and when he was tempted, Satan tempted him uh, with something very basic. He tried to get him into the law. And uh, he, he pushed him towards that in this way, saying, uh, we know that, and I want to put in my own words now, we know that there was a voice that came that said, you're the son of God, but look at your situation. You're 40 days without food or drink. How can you be the son of God? He says, and 40 days has passed already, and you're still without food, and you are hungry, man. Feel the hunger. Do you think that, if God cares for you, you will, uh, you will be so without food. Now, and then the devil basically put it this way. I'm not saying you're not the son of God. But just prove your sonship. Find your sonship in the manifestation of food now, or in the manifestation of a miracle. Take this stone and make it bread. And, I mean, then it's a proof that you're the son of God. Now, that was a great temptation, because if Jesus has done that, 
we would have been cursed forevermore and destined for hell, doesn't matter what. Because he was the last Adam. It was the last chance that God ever had into saving man. Satan would have ruled uh, this earth and killed everybody. Everybody would have died. Now, why do I say that? Because if Jesus would have done that, remember, he was our representative, and then he would say, what I do now, I represent people in, and this is what they will do for the rest of their lives. When Jesus said, we will not live by bread alone, but by, we will live only by the word that comes from the mouth of God, he said that the peop- I will only live by the word of God, and the people after me will only function by the word that comes out of the mouth of God and by nothing else. They will be sons of God, not based on what they eat, not based on the miracles they do, not based on if they can take something physical and change it into something else, not based on that, not based on their works, not based on how they can change their situation, not based on how they can change um, from poverty into wealth, how they can change from a sinful state into a righteous state by their works. Not by that, but they, Jesus represents, and every person after Jesus, they will all function on that basis that only by the word that comes from the mouth of God will I be a son of God. Now, that's what Jesus had to go through as our representative. He had to be tempted, and when he was tempted, he was tempted in his identity, to find his identity as a son of God in doing a miracle, in works. And then the whole law would have been re-implemented between God and man through our representative, Jesus, and we would have been under the law forevermore and cursed forevermore. But thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was not ignorant concerning the devices of Satan, and he knew how Satan tempts people. He tempts them to get them under the law, for if you're under the law, you are under the curse. And I want to read that quickly. Um, and you are under the power of death. Second Corinthians. Sorry, 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 56. It says, O death, where is your sting? Verse 55. O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now, Satan knew that the strength of sin in the life of a person is the law, and if I want sin to be strong in his life, let me just get him under the law, but let me just take this law and just candy coat this thing and make it look as if it would really do you good. It looked so wise. I mean, it looked so wise. Here was Jesus going through a hard time and he was just saying, Oh man, I'm going through a hard time. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm, I'm really... Imagine Jesus just sitting there upon that rock and just, man, oh, in the desert. I mean, that sun is in the shade there a little bit. But that wind is about 40 degrees Celsius blowing and it's drying out, he's dehydrating, he's going through a very hard time. And, and, and uh, there comes a voice um, that says, man, just take the stone, make it bread and then you'll feel better. Then you will at least have that little bit of assurance that you are still the Son of God. Doesn't that sound wise? It sounds wise. But that's what we talked about uh, three Sundays ago. There's a... Uh, a wisdom that keeps us away from knowing God. That is worldly wisdom. That doesn't tell us who God really is. You know, so, and that wisdom, Jesus never uh, applied that wisdom in his life. And he said, no, no, 
uh, even if I'm dying here, if, even if I am very thirsty, even if I'm dehydrated, doesn't matter what happened, I am not what happens to me. I am what God says about me and I am righteous. I am His Son. I am the Messiah. Amen. Now then, then uh, okay, yeah, and, and listen, I just want to get back to this. 1 Corinthians 15 then says that um, the strength of sin is the law. So Jesus knew and He was very, very, very skilled in the word of righteousness. And we're going to go to that in Hebrews 5 and, and 6 as well. He was so skilled in the word of righteousness that He could discern good and evil. Let's read that. Hebrews chapter 6. I hope I'm not confusing you. Uh, I want to just make this very simple. Let me just line it up that you can uh, uh, see where I'm going. What I've said is that uh, the temptation from Satan is to get you under the law so that sin um, can become strong in your life. Or when you're under the law, you are under a thing that will make sin strong in your life. The power of sin is in the law. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, 56. And that sin kills you. So, the source of death in your life is a law-based mentality, which is, I am what I do for God, and what I do in this world, and I am not what God says about me. Okay, right. Now, uh, Jesus was very wise, and He had the ability to... Uh, because he was mature in the word of righteousness and what he had to do for us, that he could discern good and evil. And so many times, as Christians, let me just keep my place here, as Christians, we struggle to discern good and evil when it comes to the law. We struggle. We, we, we hear the law and we think it's a good thing, but we must know the message of grace so powerfully that we can discern. And this is what happened to Jesus. And because he was so skilled in the word of righteousness, he didn't fall into the trap of Satan because we're not ignorant of his devices. This is the only way Satan works. Okay, get you under the law and then the law will kill you. You'll kill yourself. Right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5. And we read from verse 12. For when, for time, you ought to be teachers. Now this is... uh, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, we think it's Paul, he wrote to the people, he says, for this, for, because of the length of time, he says, for when, for the time, you ought to be teachers. By this time, you ought to have been teachers. Ye have need that one teaches you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. So what he said here, he says, listen, you guys are so long now saved that by this time you, you, would have be, you should have been teachers, teaching people the grace of God. Okay? He says, but now you are again in need of milk. That means people need to preach to you again the grace of God and explain it to you. He says, now I'm not talking to you. I don't even know, maybe you are slotting in here for the first time. Maybe you're just in the mess of grace for two weeks. I don't want to condemn you. I'm just telling you what Paul writes to people here. And I want to get to verse 13 and 14. It says, For everyone that uses milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. A person who is in need of milk or uses milk doesn't know and understand and has got no skill in how to apply this word of grace and righteousness. For he is a baby. Okay? For he is under the law. I want to add there, I don't have time to explain that. Verse 14. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, or those who are in the message of grace and righteousness. Who are they? They are those who by reason of use 
Because they've experienced grace over and over and meditate upon grace and they've heard grace and they've allowed themselves to be loved of God, to be blessed of God, to, um, to, to say, they, they've come to a place where they humble themselves and say it's only by grace. Only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. Not by our human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. Only by Jesus. And they've humbled themselves. Okay? Not humble themselves in the sense of uh, lay me down and kick me. No. Humble themselves by saying, man, I'm willing to say that it's not by my works, but by the grace of God. He says, But strong meat belongs to such people, to them that are of full age, to those who have by reason of use, have their senses exercised by this message of grace. And by knowing grace, they've come so sensitive in the message of grace that they can discern good and evil. Now, that's where Jesus was. He was so skilled in the word of righteousness. He was so experienced in the word of righteousness that when Satan came and he said, listen, uh, if you are the Son of God, so uh, we don't say you are, we don't say you are not, so bring doubt. Prove your sonship by your works and let your sonship be in what you do. Jesus could hear that as a temptation and as something that could bring him under the law and could dump all of humanity into sin forevermore. He could hear the death behind that. Amen. That will happen with you as you get more focused on grace. You will be able to discern both good and evil. Now, I mean, there was... Let's read this. Let's read this. And when the tempter came to him, he said... If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now, here comes the tempter with something that is such a powerful temptation that is so evil and wicked that it could dump all of man into death forevermore. And here's Jesus, seated as grace. He's called the the Prince of Peace. I call him the grace bringer. Amen. He is the star-breathing God that, that breathes life and grace and mercy. Here he sits. He listens to this. He says, Yeah, I hear that old law again. That message of the snake. I can hear it. The thing that called, that made Adam to fall. Well, Adam, you can be like God if you eat of this tree. It's another eating thing. It's another thing of uh, being like God or being a son of God. You must remember that, you must remember that time if you were called a, a, a son of somebody, you were called like him. If you called yourself a son of God, you made yourself equal with God. So he said, well, if you want to be equal with God, this is what Satan said, if you want to be equal with God and if you want to prove that you are equal with God, uh, just take this and make this stone's bread. Same thing. Jesus must have been sitting there and say, yeah, old snake, you know... <laughs> You're not catching me. I hear the lawyer. I hear that message of death that you preached to Adam and said to him, if you really, uh, if you want to be like God, just eat of knowing right and wrong. You know, just, just take part of, by what I do, I'll be like God. Man. <laughs> and Jesus said, I am not the Son of God because I eat this. Or I make this stone's bread. I am a son of God because God said so. And that's the thing Adam should have said. Adam should have said, 
Man, snake, what are you talking about? I am already like God. Now let me tell you, Satan will not only come when you are in a hard time. And tell you this, like uh, when you're going through hard times, he will come then, and he will come when it goes well. You'll be tempted with the same thing. And that is the, 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 the fight we have. The fight we have is to cast down vain imaginations, according to 2 Corinthians 10.5, vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, the knowledge of God that we have is that what He says is true. And He calls you a child of God. He calls you the righteousness of God. And because He calls you that, that's what you are. Amen. Remember, let's get so deep into the message of grace that we can discern both good and evil. Now, that thing that Satan came, to, came with to Jesus was so evil, it could destroy all of humanity. And he comes with that same voice today. Well, if you are a son of God, uh, you must buy... If, 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 you, know, you know, we know that you, Jesus died for you and everything, but uh, buy every, every one of your children a car. Then you'll be a son of God. Or raise somebody from the dead. Then you are really called of God. Have a big congregation, man. Then you're really a, 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 a son of God and called of God. Spend a lot of time with your children. Then you're a good father. Man, I tell you what. I'm a good father just because of one reason. Because God says, I'm a good father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So many times parents go and condemn themselves because of what their children has done. I want to ask you, is God a good father? Amen. He gave birth to Adam. What did Adam do? Yeah. Adam sinned, dumped all of mankind into a mess to the point that God had to sacrifice Jesus to set the thing right. Many people died. Many people went to hell because of what He's done. Destruction came upon That's now messing up. That's not just getting drunk and rolling a car. That's messing up big time. That's God's son, Adam, doing that. And so many times we as parents are brought under this thing, you know, because I am a good father, I spend enough time with my wife, I spend enough time at home, and, um, you know, I, I, I read the Bible to my son every night, and because I pray for him all the time, because I bless him, because that's why, that makes me a good father. That's not what makes you a good father. What makes you a good father is because the Bible says that through one sacrifice He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. And I am a perfect father because God says so. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I'm not going to be tempted by this thing of the devil. Well then spend then time with your son. Let me see if you're a good father. Now I'll spend time with my son because I want to. Amen. I'm not saying we should not spend time. I don't say that we should be in rebellion against spending time with your son and, and reading out of the Bible. Bless. I bless my children. When I see him, and I, I call him and say, Come here, let me just give you a kiss, man. My son is 12, I kiss him. Because I don't want any other man to kiss him. Amen. I kiss him and I say, Come here, let me kiss you. I bless you. You're a man of God. You're flooded with the righteousness of God. Do you know why I say that to him? Because that's what's in my heart and that's what flows out of me. I say that to Him because I am a son of God. But I will never say that to Him to prove that I'm a son of God. 
Amen. Because I am a good father. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that I am a good father or I'm going to prove my fathership through what I do to my children. No way. No, I'm not. Listen man, I'm a good husband. And you husbands that's watching this, you are good husbands. You are good. You are good men for your ladies. You are good. Amen. You good fathers. That's what the Word of God says. For you have been created in Jesus. And that's what God says about you. That's what the Word of God says about you. And let me tell you something. Don't come with this thing that, you know, if I buy my wife a new uh, a car, you know, then I'm a good husband. That's nonsense. If I put enough food in the house, then I'm a good husband. No ways. You might be going through a very, very hard time. You know, I heard a preacher, man, this thing really did upset me. Um, there was a, 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 this preacher that preached and said, people could uh, ask questions and then he would answer this. And this lady answered and says, my husband doesn't have a job now for six months. And, um, you know, he cannot provide for me. What should I do? You know what this preacher said? And he's a man, he's so big in the United States. He said, you, he says, lady, you tell your husband, you, you pack his suitcase, you put him on in front, in, in, you put it out at the front door, you tell him, you go out here and you don't come back before you've got a check between your teeth. Paycheck. Now, let me tell you, I'm so glad that past is not my God. For that man doesn't have a job after having, not having a job for two months, he, became, he might have become so despondent that he feels lazy. It can happen. He can sit in that situation. He can feel so far from God. He can feel that he's been tempted so much. He's in this whole law mentality type of thing. And now this, and, and death is... Man, he might be thinking of committing suicide. He's at the brink of taking his own life. He's going through such a hard time. He feels doesn't, he's in depression. He doesn't want to do anything. And then he, the last thing he needs is a wife kicking him out of the house and telling him that he's worth nothing and that the only reason why he can be in that house is if he's got a, he's got a check between his teeth. Man, shame on that pastor that said that you cannot call yourself a man of God and preach something like that. That's not the Word of God. Now you might say, Beth, you're getting very radical about these things. You know what Jesus did? When people were abusing um, the, the temple. Now we are the temple. We are the temple of God. When people were abusing the temple, He took a whip and He chased them out. That's what He did. And He was a little bit angry. Now I don't say that I'm Jesus and I want to do all of that. But what I do say, the Bible says clearly in, in, in Corinthians... And I've, I've, I've studied this out. He says there that if you break the temple of God, talking about false teachers, which is the body of Christ, you will be broken by God. It's not that God will judge you, but your ministry will be broken because when Jesus comes and in the end time reveals who He is, even if you had a successful ministry, big money, thousands of people, all the time in this, in this world, and you die and you see who Jesus truly is, or Jesus returns and you see who He truly is, you will find that your whole ministry is now worth nothing for it was based on something that's not the truth and you will suffer loss and what you've done will be called a waste of time. And man, it will not even be called in front of everybody. You will just know it was a waste of time. Okay, so just see the true context of this, of this whole thing. Now, you as a father, let's get back to fathers and mothers and all of that, and husbands. You know, the relationship between me and my wife, I'm not a good husband because I pray for my wife. 
I'm not a good husband because I preach the word to her. I'm not a good husband because um, I tell her that I love her. Or help her make the bed. Or help her clean the house. Or wash her car for her. That's not why I'm a good husband. I'm not a good husband because I do those things. I do those things because I am a good husband. And if, any, and if I don't do something like that in any area of my life, and there comes a voice to me that says, if you're a good husband, you will do this. I say, no, Satan. I'm not listening to you. I am a good husband, for God says so. Maybe I feel lazy. I don't want to wash that car for my wife. Maybe I don't feel to buy the flowers. I'm thinking of finances, and I'm this and that. But my God, I thank you that you speak to me about how righteous I am, how holy I am, how full of love I am, what a good husband I am, to the point that I find that I believe it. And out of the faith that's in my heart, those things start to manifest and the fruit of the word that I am a good husband, I am a good wife, I am a good uh, uh, teenager, I am all those things. I am good. When I believe that word that I'm good because of what Jesus has done, when I believe that word... (laughs) Hallelujah, that word will bear the fruit in my life. But if the fruit is not there, it doesn't mean that God's not sown the seed. Amen. It doesn't mean that God has not sown the seed. If I come to an apple tree and I say, well, I don't see any fruit on this apple tree, it means it's not an apple tree. Man, the apple tree might only be this big. It doesn't bear fruit at that time. Give the word some time it will bear the fruit. Just stay and stick into that grace of God and get that law message off your back and out of your mind. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. I don't want to sound like an angry pastor. I'm not an angry pastor. I just feel the passion of God in my heart. And that's why I preach this way. Hallelujah. Now, let's continue with this. Amen. Amen. Now, another thing I want to say is, uh, just when it comes to husbands and wives, if you're a husband and never say anything good to your wife, you, you never provide, you never... You know what you need to do? You need to say, my God, the consequences of me not understanding grace is going to bring, uh, bring forth and manifest a divorce. It's going to break my wife's emotional... Stu- it's going to break down her emotional stability in this marriage. It's going to break her trust in me going to break the trust of my children in me and I really seriously need to get to a place where I know and understand your grace and then you lock that room and you get into that, uh, into that room and you say my God I'm going to get this message of grace I'm going to download Bertie's messages I'm going to listen to them, I'm going to download Joseph Prince, I'm going to listen to him I'm going to just get deep deep deep, deep into this message of grace and get stuck into it. I'm going to listen to it over and over and over and over until I see this word bearing fruit. Until I see that apple tree is now growing. And I'm not going to try to grow the tree. I'm just going to make sure it's getting the, um, the right stuff. It's getting the right nutrition. It's getting the right water, which is the water of the word, which is the gospel of grace. Amen. Hallelujah. And you'll find out. That was just a little bit of practical advice there for you. Um, now, another one that is so, so powerful here is uh, verse 7, verse 5. Then the devil took him up into, a high, uh, up into the holy city and set, um, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it's written. Listen, he comes with the same old trick here, man. If you be the Son of God, 
cast yourself down, um, if you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Now, the first thing here, uh, 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 Satan comes and he says, listen, if you're, the, if you're really the Son of God, um, just add some works to this grace thing, man. Let's just see. You say you're the Son of God because you, you were just born like that, because you were born out of God, because God just said so. Okay, that's fine. But let's make sure you're the Son of God and let's see if the Word of God is the truth and it challenges him out of the Word. Remember, he challenged him out of the Word. Why does he challenge him out of the Word? Because Jesus' whole theology, everything he believed, everything that was in him, was theology means God's logic. Jesus' logic about the whole thing was, it was word-based. So Satan, if I can just twist the word, I can tempt him into the law. That's what he did. He said, man, and he was trying to twist that word. Now what I do believe here is that this scripture means that, um, yes, the angels will physically protect us, but I also believe that the angels, which bring messages from God towards us, will protect us lest we dash our foot against a stone. And a stone speaks in typology about the law, for the law was written great on stones. The angels will protect us, the Holy Spirit will protect us, God will protect us, lest we bump our foot against a law message and the law. That's what He's there to tell us. Don't go for that. Head into grace. Head into God what He's done for you, not what you must do for God. And you will find fruit in your life, but you will not dash your foot against a stone and fall. Okay, you will keep standing. Amen. Now, Jesus said, well, it might be that in Scripture, but the Bible also says, now listen, He knows grace so good that He can hear the leaven there, the leaven of the Pharisees. He can hear that ministry of death there that is preached out of the Bible. He said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, that word tempt in the Hebrew means to add... Now, if you take the Hebrew picture values, um, it means to add, to add works to grace. To add works to grace. That's what it means. To add works into the sacrifice of Jesus. So, he said, you shall not tempt God. When one tempts God is when you want to add works to grace. That's tempting God. That's what the Bible says, let's not uh, um, grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I think it's in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. This comes to my mind. Let me just see if I'm right. If I'm not right, man, forgive me. Ephesians 4.30 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt communication, what's that? That's wrong doctrine, wrong teaching, uh, 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 speaking the wrong thing about what Jesus has done for you. Let no uh, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So what is he saying? He says, listen, not let corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that that can do what? That can give grace to the hearers. That, can, that it may minister grace to the hearers. So you are only allowed to speak that which can produce grace. Grace words is all that we are allowed to say. He says, and say the right thing so that you cannot tempt the Holy Spirit. Or not tempt, um, I'm mixing the two now. It is um, grieve the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I'm not talking about positive confession. Get into one, two Sundays ago's message. I'm not talking about just talking right, talking right. I'm talking about doctrine, teaching about Jesus. Get the right teaching into your heart and into your mind. Get grace flooded into you. Why? Because, and this is what, what, what Jesus said. He said, listen, Satan, you are trying to get me to tempt God. You, temptation to, when you are tempting God is when you want to add works to grace. That's not tempting God. Well, now we don't want to tempt God. People in the Old Testament died when they tempt God. Now, we don't want to tempt God in the New Testament. We want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because if we grieve the Holy Spirit, how shall we be saved? If we are grieving the Holy Spirit, we are pushing away the message of the Spirit, which is what we have freely received in Christ. When we push that away, how shall we be saved? Because we are saved by grace, through faith. Let your words not be of corrupt communication, but of that it, it must be a communication that might produce grace into the hearer. Hallelujah. Amen. Here Jesus said, well, I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God. I'm not going to add works to what He said about me. I am the Son of God because God made me this way. I'm the Messiah for I've been called by God. I've been made the Messiah. I've been made this way. That's who I am. I'm not going to add works to grace. By God's grace, by who God is, by His influence, He made Jesus who He was. Amen. And that's who, why He is who He is. And I'm not going to say, and Jesus said, He's not going to say, well, let me just make sure and that we stand on two legs. I am a Son of God because God says so and because I can throw myself off places and God, man, He just does it for me. Amen. He protects me. Amen. That's not the way it is. Now, what's a very nice thing here if we, if we continue, um, yeah, maybe I should touch on that. Let me see. It's not becoming too late. I've been preaching already for 40 minutes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, sorry for losing the place here now. Why did I lose this place? Oh yeah, here it is. Jesus said unto him, It is also written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now just in my words, you, Jesus also said, It is also written, You shall not add works to the grace of, grace of God and tempt God that way. Verse 8, Again, the devil taketh him unto an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and said unto him, All these things will I give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Now that word worship, and I'm going to preach a little bit of typology here to get grace into this thing. That word worship is the word proskuneo in, um, in the Greek language. Now what proskuneo means, is it means to lick the hand of the master. To lick the hand of the master. Now, the work or the hand. Now, hand speaks of work. The work of Satan was to bring forth uh, uh, a message that says, I become by what I do. Okay? Listen to the series on fulfillment of the law. I'll tell you where the law comes from. It was born out of Satan in, 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 um, in heaven just before he fell. Okay? So, the work of Satan, the, the thing that he does is, by what you do, you become. You, 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 you're not who you are because you are in God. You are who you are because you do things right. Okay? That's the work of Satan. Now he said to Jesus, fall down and worship me. Lick my, lick my works. Now what was the work of Satan? The work of Satan was the law message. By what I do, I become. Okay? He says, put that on your tongue. 
speak grace. Ach, speak the law. Speak the law. That's what he said. Put that law in your mouth. And then, by the law, by what you do, you're going to become message. You're going to have all these kingdoms. And Jesus, thank God, had so much grace in him and his mind was so established in grace that he could hear the temptation. That he could hear the evil in it. That he could discern good and evil. And he said, get thee hence from me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You're not in front of me anymore. Get behind me, Satan. For it's written, I will only put the work of God in my mouth. I'll only worship God. Amen. Man, isn't that so, so awesome. And listen to this. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. That scripture where the devil was tempting him with, that the angels would minister and serve and be there, 